Welcome to a new episode of the Superpowered Fancast. This is Darren. So this is episode 50, and I really wanted to do something big, something different uh, for this episode. But as you can tell from the length of time between episode 49 to episode 50, um, I probably spent more time planning something big than actually doing it. So I think we're just going to go ahead and just talk. Uh, I mean, big plans aside and, you know, not even necessarily aside. I mean, there are things that I still want to do. Uh, there's, uh, I want to do an episode where I basically kind of let you all know what I've learned in the two years of uh, doing the show, doing the podcast, talking to talking to guests, talking to my friends, like what what I learned from them, what this experience has meant to me. And I think I'm going to do that. Uh, I think that episode is going to be coming. It might be the next episode. It may be the one after that. I am also uh, working on uh, getting some more guests on the show. Um, I've got some, um, just putting some feelers out in uh, social media to people who I follow and uh, talk with and tweet to and just to see if, you know, uh, especially creators, see if they want to come on the, the podcast and talk. But um, as far as anything that's recently been going on, I was at Dragon Con in Atlanta. I had a great time. And first things first, I want to I want to uh, definitely thank uh, Aaron from uh, Black Astronauts Podcast. Um, we had met the previous year. I was there with Sean from Geeks Worldwide, and we you know just kind of talked. And this year we we talked again. I really want to thank uh, thank him for taking the time to to talk to someone who's still a novice. You know he you know he he kind of knows the ropes and what he's doing. I want to thank him for, uh, for letting me share his, uh, his Uber back to the hotel. We were staying at, we found out we we're staying at the same hotel. So he let me tag along in his Uber to, uh, to get back to it. But one of the things, in fact, one of the big things that I took away from, from Dragon Con is just the, the, the time spent in relationships in building relationships with, uh, fellow podcasters, just, People who love doing this as much as I as I do, and, and more so, people who've been doing it longer and have uh, oh professional setups and and things like that is just just great. And they really they you know inspired me to keep doing it. And beyond just expi- inspiring me, they you know they 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 were so welcoming and inclusive, and and I love that. So I definitely want to thank. Uh, Aaron for, for giving me some advice, just talking to me, just, uh, just being, uh, an awesome person. And I want to thank, uh, Tim and Jeff at the radio labyrinth, uh, podcast. Um, these two guys are amazing. They had me, they actually had me on their show. Um, you can actually, uh, check it out on iTunes. Uh, their, their dragon kind episode. They had me on the show to talk to, uh, to talk to them, to actually get to, to talk to Chris Gore from Film Thread, just uh, I'm a huge fan of his, and uh, got to talk about um, movies and and entertainment and the, the documentary he's working on uh, about um, Attack of the Show uh, from G4, which I'm a huge fan of. Like I've always been a huge fan of. I was a huge fan of of, uh, of G4. And, you know, X-Play and Attack of the Show. And I love that. Like, I literally would put that channel on and just leave it on. Um, so just anything that's like kind of like behind the scenes 
uh, documentary stuff I'm, I'm interested in, especially if it's a subject that I'm a fan of. So definitely looking forward to that. And then just, you know, Chris Gores is just a cool guy to talk to. So it was uh, it was a great time. So, again, I definitely want to thank uh, thank Jeff and Tim for just for the opportunity, because, again, it's, you know, we're, I'm a relative stranger. I'm a newbie. And the fact that these guys like Aaron and Tim and Jeff and, and everyone I met, uh, every journalist I met at, at Dragon Con were so uh, inclusive and uh, and great to be around that. It made the experience that that much more exciting, that much more interesting, that much more engaging. Like I, I had, I had fun. I had a lot of fun. I went to the Mystery Science Theater three thousand panel with uh, Jonah Ray and Felicia Day and and, and Joel Hodgson, and uh, I was there for the live reading of the first uh, issue of their of their new uh, Dark Horse comic, and w- which was awesome. I went to the the Luke Cage um, the Luke Cage panel. With uh, Mike Coulter just talking about uh, his career and the character and, and and things like that. That was that was awesome. So I just had a great time at DragonCon. You can go to and of course you can always go to superpoweredfancast.com and uh, and see what and see, you know see what I've what I've written about the uh, about the experience. But what I really want to get to and this is going to be a relatively shortcut. Well, this is well this is an intro really because. I got to interview in a in a press conference. I got to ask a, a bunch of questions of uh, Brian Henson. And if you don't know who Brian Henson is, I mean, well, I, I don't understand how you could not know who Brian Henson is. Well, I mean, of course, you know, Brian is the, the son of the legendary uh, Jim Henson. So he is a just a, a professional uh, puppeteer and uh, he's a, a writer, director, producer, just um, a, a, an amazing uh, resume. I mean, just like uh, Muppet uh, Christmas Carol, Muppet, Muppet Treasure Island, Farscape, which I love. I think I'm gonna go. I probably I'm gonna like really kind of deep dive into Fars, Farscape because I loved it so much. Like I've met uh, Gigi Edgeley, um played Chiana on the show. Like I've met her like literally two two years in a row because she's so awesome. And you know, uh, Return to Oz labyrinth i mean he uh, just just a just an amazing career uh both in front of and behind the camera and across all genres you know from being not only just uh, involved with the muppets but also with sesame street and and uh and the, you know fair for younger kids like sid the science kid so just um just a, an amazing an amazing person and a, and someone who, and, and oh, I'm sorry, and, and most recently the the uh, writer and director of the Happy Time Murders, which he actually talks about because it's it's not doing well at the box office, um, and it's you know it's gotten it hasn't done well with the critics, uh, and he actually does uh, just with with honesty uh, address a lot of those issues, and that's that's something you, that's that that's kind of rare that I think in someone in his position, I don't think, you know, a lot of people would, would kind of take the time to say, Hey, you know what? We made some missteps and this is what, you know, uh, this one of the reasons why I don't think this, that, that it worked and what we might do differently. So it, it's just really refreshing. So just kind of 
So I'm going to have that interview uh, right uh, coming up, but I think it's just refreshing to kind of have that perspective. It is, I mean, to forgive the euphemism, from the horse's mouth. Like he's, you know, he's the 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 authority. He's the the guy behind the Happy Time Murders. So you just have. Uh, so if you're going to ask, if you're going to ask him about it, you know, uh, that that's definitely the time. And I think one of the things, one of the advantages is, is just that environment where it's not, you know, a bunch of flashing lights and you're just kind of sitting maybe with one, two, maybe three journalists in a room just uh, just kind of talking. It's almost having a conversation. Like you kind of get the, uh, he, 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 he commanded the room in a sense where he was almost like a teacher teaching students. And I think all of us in the room were like students. We kind of, we really wanted to, kind of understand uh, his career and what we enjoyed about uh, Muppets and Farscape and kind of where, and, and I asked him like kind of where he sees um, puppetry going in the future. So um, without further ado, here is, and, and I'll, I'm going to apologize for like, you know, Russ and stuff in the beginning. Like we kind of, we were all kind of getting in and trying to get, get in position and a limited amount of time. And the fact that he just went ahead and just started talking means you just needed to just go ahead and start recording. So I think one of the first questions was about, uh, the box office for happy time murders. So he's going to talk about that in the beginning. So I guess without, uh, further ado, uh, Mr. Brian Henson. Really? Um, but Yes, I feel I feel badly, obviously, for people who, myself included, because we had a lot of fun doing it. But mostly, we had a lot of fun doing it. And and to me, it's sort of supposed to just be a sort of guilty pleasure and just sort of a delightful and ridiculous realm. Um, and it, the initial idea was everybody in the movie takes it all very seriously, but it's such an outrageous concept that that makes it funny. But in the end. There was a push to try to make it more like a comedy comedy where people are just saying funny things. And and that meant there's a lot of scenes that were story scenes that were removed because they weren't funny, which I think is a shame. But um, but I'm still very proud of the more ridiculous moments in it. There's still there as a in terms of what I did with puppetry, I really enjoyed what I did there. Thank you. All right. Well, do you think you'll ever be able to release like a director's cut or something where you can? Have I don't a story know. Probably. I mean, the it is really it's it's such different times now, which is terrific. I remember with Farscape, I was holding all of the negative because I shot it on film, but then finished on video as people did, and uh, but not in high definition because people weren't doing it that way. And I was holding all the film, which was a big warehouse full of film. It's very expensive to store film. It was costing me like $100,000 a year. And then eventually I said, we, I can't, we can't afford this anymore. We're going we're gonna to let it go. And I destroyed the negative because you have to destroy it. And then literally a month later, this new channel came out called HDNet. And they gave me a call and said, hey, we're doing an all high definition channel and we want to start with Farscape. Is there any chance that you could go back to the negative and, and make it high definition? And we have money and everything. I was like, I'm so sorry, I just destroyed the negative. And that's just not true anymore. What's great now is it's just a giant digital storage. So 
So the the film, everything that we shot is all stored. It'll all be there. It doesn't cost a lot to, to store anymore. And um, probably I would circle back around. Um, generally, it's a good idea. If it, even if it has an underground following, and probably in five years or something like that, we could probably circle back around to doing the longer cut, the story cut. Well, speaking of Farscape, I and mean, I'm sure you've probably been asked this before, and you just explained everything that's going on with the negative, but uh, with all of the uh, reboots and remakes and uh, shows returning, has like what has the what has the interest been for a other than the fans? The fan, yeah, the fan interest is is huge. Um, it's a little bit harder to sell because, but, but having said that, there is a lot of interest. I've been working on trying to make it as a movie for a long time, and everybody's tired, or I'm tired of hearing me say I really want to make a feature film of Farscape. I am only just, and just now, I'm just coming off of finishing this movie, which really took all of my attention for like sixteen months. Um, I. I'm, I'm reconsidering that because it may be that the movie length is too short to tell a Farscape story. Mm-hmm. So that might mean I'm, I'm, I might consider long-form something TV like a, instead. Yeah, something like, something like what exactly what we're doing in London right now with Dark Crystal, where we're doing The Power of Dark Crystal. We're doing a ten-part um, ser- series, but it's a you know it's a complete story. We're calling it a, a season uh, of a potential series, but it is also like a 10-part miniseries. It's, it's a big, big, long, deep story. And there is a certain appeal of potentially maybe doing that, something like that with Farscape. But honestly, it's all... I'm, I'm still very enthusiastic about Farscape, and I, I have been trying to make it into a movie, and I'm not sure that I'm going to succeed. My question was going to be about the Dark Crystal project and how that was progressing. It's been shooting since last... November. It's yeah. it's it's so cool that Netflix could get behind it in such a big way, so that we could do it right. And I say we. It's I've been doing this Happy Time Writers. Um, it's really my sister, her project, and, and Hallie Stanford, who's head of TV. Um, they've really been working on it, and that, but they put together a great, great team in London. And I'll be honest, I thought those days were gone. I thought that. By the mid '90s, the idea of being able to walk into a stage and seeing a, an incredible fantasy world realized was just long gone because of CG and everything like that. And they've really done it right. It's really, it's great, and and the workmanship is stunning. The, 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 it, the artistic quality is right there again. What what I thought maybe was lost by the mid '90s is 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 still there. And um, they'll be shooting for another few weeks, and and then there's a huge amount of post production to do. Oh, that's so exciting! I'm so glad to hear that. Uh, are there any returning characters that fans maybe will see in this? Oh, we don't. Nicole's saying, "Don't say anything, don't Brian. You're not allowed to say." But we have said it's a prequel. Mm-hmm. We have said, and it's not an immediate prequel, so it doesn't end when the movie started. It's it takes place. Significantly earlier than when the movie took place. Well, you were talking about um, the, the '90s. Like, I guess my question is, uh, where do you see? Public I guess I was really thinking the sweet spot really was the '80s. The '80s. <laughs> the '80s is when those big movies and, and the Legend and Labyrinth and Dark Crystal and, and 
Blade Runner and all that stuff and mm -hmm. all those big great movies were it, that was, there was a rich time there in the eighties. Where do you see uh, the, the the art of puppetry going uh, in the future, as far as on film, like with mocap and things? Well, like that? Like, where do you see it heading? I think a couple of different directions. I mean, what I did in Happy Time Murders, and it's true, it's not performing like we would like it to, but that may have to do with the content and the R rating and all that. I actually really liked most of what I did there, which was. It was kind of a return to traditional puppetry, so they're not very complicated. They're they're actually sim they're the simplest end of even Muppet style puppets. They they don't have eye mechanisms and stuff like that. Um, they're very simple puppets, and I think that art form of bringing to life something that is clearly inanimate. It, there's going to always be a place for that. It's such an art, old art form that nobody can get to the roots of puppetry. It's like it's one of those weird things that if you go to any ancient culture, you can probably find that they were doing some sort of puppetry. And it wasn't crosstalk between the cultures. It's just automatic. And I, I often say it's like, well, it's because you're a dad and you're trying to feed your kid and your kid doesn't want to eat the baby food, so then you have to bring the baby food to life, and you have to pretend the baby food doesn't want to get eaten. No, no, I don't want to be eaten. You know, it's like we, in, we instinctively delight in giving an inanimate object life and personality like a human being. It is just delightful. And it also might be because it's great for teaching lessons, it allows us to objectify, you, you, you lose your subjective. Um, reaction when you put a personality into that thing over there. You can even imagine yourself reacting to a situation differently if you can imagine yourself is in that thing over there. There's a lot of psychological reasons why puppetry probably resonates. But I do think that, and I go back to your eye clearly knows it's inanimate, is, is, is the basic delight of, of puppetry, like Muppets. There's nobody who thinks Kermit the Frog is alive. He's a piece of cloth and he's ping pong balls, and we all know it. And then you bring them to life, and that's, and that's what's delightful. And in that sense, technology is never gonna undermine that. Um, what technology can do is it can allow us to do some of the stuff that I did in Happy Time Murders, which was, I was allowed to let the puppets stand in the middle of the room and talk to you, with, because the puppeteers were allowed to be right there, but they were dressed in green suits, and I was able to remove them, and it's a perfect illusion. And, and that's pretty wonderful, but it's still puppetry. It's just that I was able to remove the puppeteers so that you don't see them. And uh, you know, and 20 years ago, I had to have that puppet standing against the wall with people reaching through the walls. Now that puppet can just stand there, and and I think that that's a lot of fun. So I think a lot of the visual effects techniques can come in to support more traditional puppetry and just make it even more wonderful to watch. I also think with like the animatronic puppetry, like Dark Crystal and Labyrinth and stuff like that. I think, again, it's probably not at its best when it's trying to be real. So even Dark Crystal, which is our realer end in our company, you see the movie and you know you're seeing somebody sculpted that face, somebody painted that face. It's not quite a real, it's not quite a convincing illusion. And if it were, I think it would be weaker. And it's the fact that you know it's inanimate, even those and yet they're being, being brought to life makes it delightful, which is completely different than like Jurassic Park. That's where you're using CG to do, to make something living that is convincingly alive, and that's not puppetry. It's a completely different art form. 
Um, so I do think that as we go forward with animatronics and dark crystal type thing, that you'll see um, hybrids, you'll see enhancements of what we can do, like things that animatronics can't do well, like pupils looking around sometimes is a mess. So what's great is now we can get into the, into the image and we can adjust the pupils, and we can adjust the, the blinking of the eyelids and stuff like that, but we can still grab the, the performance as a puppetry performance, but enhance it with digital techniques. So I do think that um, we call that hybrid, hybrid digital animatronic characters. I think there's a, a big future for that as well. And, and then, you, but you can see why I'm saying basically that whole, the whole CG thing of making something that is convincingly organic and alive is basically a different art form, even though it's using similar technology. It's, it's just different. What, you're doing, what, we're, what they're doing in Jurassic Park is different completely than, from what we're doing. That's what's so interesting about um, Yoda, because he was a puppet, and then they made him CG, but then I learned um, when he appeared in The Last Jedi, they went back to the yes. puppetry, which, yeah. you know, I was, but I almost couldn't tell, because I, I guess they were trying to, um, I guess CG has come so far that sometimes you can't tell the difference, but um, but yeah, he was a puppet, and it it's amazing to see the same character done in those different art forms. And when they did him in CG, they were trying to do him as a puppet. Yeah, like and there the is definitely and, stuff. and there is definitely CG that is like puppetry. Mm -hmm. Pixar, a lot of Pixar's CG, even though it's an animated movie result, but like Monsters Inc. is really puppetry. The way that the way they're approaching those characters and personalities and what they do is, is very much a puppetry. Uh, approach, but yeah, I mean, with CG you can do anything, and I and in Happy Time Murders, occasionally the characters are fully CG when they're doing something that we just couldn't do, uh, but then we try to make the CG look like the puppet and move like the puppet. And I guess on that same note, since you mentioned Disney, um, where would you li like what in, with your long history with with, with the, the studio, where would you want to see the Muppets go next? Like, what would be what project do you think the Muppets could, I mean, in order to kind of get back to, um, I guess, uh, their, uh, the, the popularity they had? Or, or, like, what you know, it's a toughie. I mean, the last two movies did very well, particularly two back, the Muppets, um, did very well, was marketed very strongly. It's, um, I think it shouldn't be overthought, probably. Um, it's a tricky one, though. I, for ten years of my life, I had to wake up every morning and think, "What the heck are we going to do with the Muppets?" And the, you know, and as much as I was trying to work on Farscape and other things, corporately, the most important thing was, "What are we doing with the Muppets?" And it's 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 tricky how to keep them relevant. They're they're product of the '70s. They sort of have a you know a, a personality and a worldview and stuff like that that very much comes out of that time. And you don't want to change that too much. At the same time, they have they have to grow. Uh, you can see what I did with the Muppets. When my dad had done three Muppet movies, he was done. He didn't, he didn't know where to go, which was largely why he was selling the company to Disney when he died, and then we didn't complete that deal. But um, he was thinking, I'm not sure there is another movie that you can make with Muppets. He, he was already aware of the fact that he was slightly contradicting himself. He did the story of the, of the Muppets in the first Muppet movie, Kermit, he's in a swamp, he goes across the country, he gets all these friends, and then they get rich and famous contracts so they can make a TV show. And then the second movie was, okay, we're now kind of actors in, a, in a, 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 a heist movie. And then the third one was, okay, now we're not actors. Now it is 
now we're young and we're we want to put on a theater show, but already the history in that one was contradicted, was contradicting the first movie. So it was getting tricky, which is why when I took over after my dad died, I really didn't know what to do. So I, so I, that's why I took him into Muppet Christmas Carol. It was also a time that the the releasing formula for movies at that point was target a younger audience but make it fun for their parents. So I was deliberately targeting those movies a little bit younger. Christmas Carol, Muppet Christmas Carol, Muppet Treasure Island. But part of why I put them into classic stories was because it was hard to know where to put them next and have them be themselves. So I had them playing other roles in um, Muppet Christmas Carol, Muppet Treasure Island. Then Disney, when they bought the Muppets back, said, we're going to try to go right back to the roots and have the Muppets be the Muppets. And But then that, the first one they did was, well, the Muppets are sort of lost, the world's lost the Muppets, and they've all retired, and isn't it terrible, and isn't it sad, and then the movie ends, and in the last two minutes, I always say to people, that one's not really a Muppet movie, because it's the world without Muppets movie, until the last two minutes where suddenly, yay, we're going to have the Muppets, are going to come back, and then when the, they did the, the, the last movie, then it was like, okay, now where are we going to take them? They basically took them in a heist movie direction again, they kind of did what the second one did. So I don't know what, what the best thing is, I think there's a great home for the Muppets in the theme parks, and I think that they should keep working on different things that the Muppets can do in the theme parks, because I think that's really great, because it's a closer connection for the audience. Um, but I think we're, they're talking about various television ideas. Uh, right now, I think they're talking more television than, than feature films. It's a toughie. It's like every idea I hear is a good one, could be, but maybe not. It may not work. Um, but I think uh, people have an intimate relationship with the, with the Muppets, and, and yet they have to grow. They have to be allowed to, to organically grow a little bit. And I think they, in the last TV series, that was a little tricky because they, they were trying to grow, but they weren't, and they were starting to do things that maybe they shouldn't, and, and it was feeling a little bit uncomfortable. But I think they're... I think probably television. I think the, I think the the core home for the Muppets probably should be television. Maybe, probably. Even though we've made how many eight movies now, so there's been a lot of movies. But I think to get them back so that they can have that television present. So we've got time for just one. Really oh, I'm sorry because I yammered on. Yeah, we like that though. We like listening to what you say. How different has it been going from the classic days of everyone wearing black velvet to? blend into the scene to then doing the green fabric like we saw in Happy Time Murders? Well, um, well, spe specifically, you're talking black theater or, or black light theater or, bl or black in line, the, the, uh, light line theater. The behind-the-scenes yeah. featurette for Labyrinth, a lot of Everybody was wearing black. velvet. Right. Well, and that failed. <laughs> and I can, I'll, I'll tell you quickly about that one, but... Um, yeah, I mean, black was is black is really good for theater uh, work, where you could, where you basically light the character so brightly that your eyes will stop down and, and cancel out the puppeteers and back, and that and that's black velvet and it, and it works really well in theater. We still always wear black when we're shooting, unless we know we the puppeteer is going to be seen, and then we put them into green. So there is still black is our, our approach, not necessarily black velvet. Black velvet is 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 tough to capture on film or video, and and actually have the puppeteers vanish completely. On Labyrinth, though, what we tried to do was we tried a very 
new technique, brand new, where there was two cameras. One was shooting the wild things, uh, the fireys was what they were called in, the fireys, and the other camera was shooting through a beam splitter at the same shot and shooting a black and white key. And then the idea was going to be that they could just composite perfectly by using a negative of the black and white key to clean out the background, to make the space for the character, then using the positive key in the film, and then it never worked, which is why the fireys are a little bit transparent sometimes in Labyrinth, and actually I cleaned that up quite a bit in the last 4K, um, so it's getting better. I keep making it better and better, and people are like, but maybe we should leave it, because that was the way your dad made it. I was like, I promise you it's not what he wanted. <laughs> I promise you he got as good as he could get, so let's keep making it better. Um, yeah, but yeah, so now we wear green. And it's weird, and you feel stupid. When in, you're the, in the credits it. for Happy Time Murders, there's that scene of everyone crossing the street, all in green. Right. And my friend, who is also a big, giant Muppets fan, was like, oh, they're wearing green, that's so weird. <laughs> because it's Kermit green? Or, it's just, or it just different. It was well, it's, but how great to have a tool where you can have the puppeteer right there and shot, and then you can remove them, and they're gone completely. It's really cool. Is that it? Thank you very much. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you guys. All right, so there you have it. Um, I want to once again uh, thank Brian Henson for for taking the time out of his schedule to to talk about um, Happy Time Murders and Muppets and Farscape and puppetry and CGI, just uh, just everything, just really kind of taking uh, taking us in the room to school on you know what we. On thing, things and things we didn't know about some of the things that we love uh, so much, and I really want to see kind of where uh, Muppets is going, and and I and I hope he's involved. I'm honestly really excited for uh, for the Dark Crystal series on on Netflix. So I'm I mean I'm I'm already in on that one. I'm all in on that one. So I want to thank him. I want to thank. Uh, uh, Dan Carroll uh, and everyone in media relations at at Dragon Con for for the opportunity uh, for, for being just awesome people. I want to thank the volunteers in the room. Uh, those ladies are amazing. This uh, that whole group uh, just so generous and nice and accommodating. They're always uh, always ready with a glass of water and a snack if they see. <laughs> They see you just kind of sitting around. They just want to make sure that you're okay. So just just an awesome group of people all around. And again, they always make the experience like so much like that much more, uh, you know, engaging and interesting and fun. Uh, so I definitely want to thank them for that. Um, and that's it for for episode fifty of the Superpowered Fancast. As always, you can uh, find my find uh, news reviews uh trailers you can check out the the captain marvel trailer and all the all the new trailers on my website uh www.superpoweredfancast.com uh you can always email me uh superpoweredfancast at gmail.com uh or you can follow on follow us on twitter at superpoweredfan um you can also find my news and reviews comic book reviews on the geeks worldwide as i'm part of the geeks worldwide network so that would be 
thegww.com. And until next time, this is Darren saying, see you later.